Hi and welcome to the second episode of your favorite podcast IWB Pods. I am your host Keshav and today we're sitting down with a wonderful woman. Her name is Lavlina Sogani and she is the founder of Vimukti School for the Underprivileged, a school that educates underprivileged children from the slums of Jaipur in hopes of a better tomorrow. We visited her remarkable school and here's our conversation. Let's jump right into it yeah. and let's talk about your childhood. Because uh, it won't be wrong to say that you know a person's childhood affects their personality yes, a lot. So, do you recall any childhood incidents from your childhood when you were on the receiving end of any form of sexism? Um, uh, I've never had that problem ever in my childhood. Okay. Because my father and my mother both they were very very particular to bring us up very differently from what uh, normally girls in those days were brought up like we were able to travel where we wanted we were able to go out at night okay we were able to do whatever we wanted to do and like we were shoulder to shoulder with any man in those days i'm talking about about 40 years back okay so somehow that is the reason i felt that these girls from these uh, slum areas they needed to get that kind of a feeling the parents needed to give them the kind of freedom which i felt i have always got <laughs> and i'm trying to educate the parents so that they are able to do something to the extent of what i have achieved in my life okay uh so i'll just tell our listeners the sangeeta incident which which was one very prominent incident that uh, you know shaped what you're doing right now so uh if i'm not mistaken lavlina ji was at her house and she was she was in a comfortable surrounding like most middle class indians are today and the daughter of her driver was the playmate of um, lavlina ji's daughter and during that when when she got snacks and milk for their, her own children she saw lavlina take a glance at the glass of milk and she got very you know tempted and then she distracted herself with different things because of course she was from a poor background and milk was a luxury then lavlina ji got saw, saw this particular reaction and she got a glass of milk for sangeeta as well and looking at the glass of milk uh, sangeeta said milk is not for us milk is for our brothers because my brother goes to school and that kind of changed your perspective on this entire issue of course you already had a background you were raised in a very yes, progressive very, family very, very progressive, very yeah progressive. so uh, could you paint us a word picture of what you felt that particular day what was your reaction how did you Well, it was like unimaginable for me getting out sitting in that little cocoon of mine to realize that there's so many girls who don't have the privilege which I've had in life who really think that you know the it's a totally it was a, it is a male dominated society of course for them they feel that i mean like why the why should i drink milk my brother goes to school why should i eat dry fruits not needed mm-hmm. at all why should i even go to school yeah. to top it all yeah. because that you know my i have to ultimately what is it, what do what do i have to do in life of course i have to have babies yeah. i have to take care of my kitchen i have to take care of the family i mean that's it that's what my life is about so uh, do you think that you know the way we are raising little girls and the way indian society is basically framed yeah. do you think that encourages the inherent patriarchy that these girls grow up with Girls, as in the slums. The little girls, you know, all general girls in India. Yes, I think it it does. Okay. Because in a family, uh, the mother is, you know, nowadays I've seen the youngster like in places like Delhi, they, they, the husband and wife, they work shoulder to shoulder. 
they take care of the child they can they even the, the the man is changing diapers especially the middle class yeah they are they are doing they helping yeah. out so here, there the child would see that there is not much of a difference there is no difference actually definitely. between being a male and a female yeah. but yes definitely so in uh, lower middle class strata okay because the wife is working the husband is drinking he's all the time like sozzled out on his bed <laughs> she goes to work she goes and she washes clothes she washes utensils she's swiping the floor yeah so the child what is the child see that my father has a luxury of being drunk and sleeping and a mother's one slogging for night mm. so this is where i feel it is very important to you know take these children out of their surroundings there are many schools which are running in slum areas yeah but we did not want to do that we wanted to bring them out so, so that they have the exposure okay and i do think that what you are doing is making some difference so Definitely. here if i can elaborate for example when we started our uh, school in 2004 they were mainly uh, you know the 24 students we started with they were only okay. women mothers who were coming okay. for the parents teacher meet okay but now that we have 600 students we have around 90% 95% of parents who are there and lot of fathers are there okay so which i feel we have really been able to uh, change out then also in our team we uh, think like you know the father the parents have to sign on the report. Okay. So it's just not that they put their time. The children are they go back and they're teaching the parents how to also do some kind of prior uh, written work. Wow, that's great. So we do not accept any thumb impression. The signature has to be there. Okay, that that's a very progressive step. Yes. Uh, tell us about the support that you received from your family when you decided to set up the Mukti. What, what was the kind of support that you received? What was the reaction? Uh, I think it was the reaction was fantastic. Okay. They said it couldn't be better. I mean, you couldn't do a better thing than this. Wow. So whether it was my father-in-law, it was my mother-in-law, my father, they were all to a great extent instrumental in helping me to uh, start the movie. Because if I did not have the support, my husband definitely. Yeah. If I did not have the support, I would not have been able to do anything. Definitely. If they push me in the background, say no, no, you stay in the house. Yeah. What is the need for you to do? Start something. You're already running a school, but why do something? Why you know put effort into that? But I think coming from a progressive family, you wouldn't have taken that as, as if, if that were the case. Uh, yes, I would not have taken. Yeah. But you know, I, uh, though I came from a very progressive family, but when I got married, it was a very typical Jain family. Okay. And the women did not really go out and work. Oh. So I, I I could say that I'm one of the first people in Jaipur who actually started doing something. Wow. Uh, so yeah, maybe I started the trend of women uh, working in Jain families here. Okay. So uh, tell us a little bit about that, like uh, because that 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 is very interesting. Because firstly, uh, progressive Indian families are very rare, dodo yes. bird, if I, if I may say that. And then you moving from a progressive family to to a regular Indian family. Yes. So how does that transformation occur in your life? It was it was tough, but once you know I I I decided I had to do it. I would do it. Okay. And gradually they all started uh, moving towards. Whatever I had wanted to do in life, wow! Okay. Like right from my mother-in-law, the kind of support I got from all of them, you know, that the encouragement I got is, I mean, it was fantastic. Okay. It took a while, but yes, yeah, slowly, slowly, I could do it in steps. Okay. Till till it came to a time when my parents, my husband, my mm-hmm. children, my in-laws—they're so proud of what you know Vimukti is doing. Yeah. And if it really wasn't for their support, I, I seriously, I would never have reached where I have today. Okay. uh what are the challenges that you face other than you know the huge challenges what are the challenges that you face when you were setting up a mukti the major challenge is funding funding that is the major challenge okay because uh, you know there is this uh, 
gentleman who is uh, from uh, Jaipur and uh, he is settled in Washington DC. Okay. Mr. Sate. Okay. Now Mr. Sate is the one when he came here, he said, can I go through your audit and all this was around good three, four years back. I said, you're most welcome. Yeah. You can just sit and go through whatever books you want to of my <laughs> audit. I have nothing to do with Hanky Panky. Yeah. He saw it and he was very impressed. Okay. And he's, uh, by the way, ex-director World Bank. Wow. So he was very, very, <clears throat> he was very impressed by the entire mm. uh, thing. And he went back and he started doing a fundraise in Washington. Okay. So first he started with a core team of one or two, then he increased on. So first 50, then 75, then 80 girls. Then he also gave us, uh, he sponsored girls from there and he added a smart class. Okay. So we had keep having, now because of this Edu Girls, now they started a thing called Edu Girls there. Okay. Which also they do funding, helping us in Vimukti as well as the school in Bangalore. Okay. For the girl child. Okay. So I think the major thing was how uh, you know they were able to increase and we have students coming from uh, you know various American universities. They sit here and they see how we're going about. Wow. Right now we want to have a Fulbright scholar coming. She's okay. going to be coming and staying here and teaching English to our girls. Wow, that is amazing. So somehow it's it's really you know because of uh, I don't know God's. I would say it's just can't got to online. So uh, that is the North American initiative on your website. That yeah, is yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. That so is, how, is, how I was trying to tie it up is now uh, the major uh, funding is from America, but the sad part is that in India is is like not even 15-20%. Yeah. This is what I feel, you know, like in in Indians don't have the kind of empathy which which I feel that they should have. Of course. It's just not there. But I, I was talking to this amazing lady in the morning today. Uh, her name is uh, Mrs. Sarojini. Mm-hmm. So she has adopted 800 girls and she's also doing a wonderful oh. job. She's doing it in Lucknow. Oh. So uh, she said that Indians have empathy, yeah. but what Indians don't have are right organizations. Yeah. Like they don't know where to donate. Yeah. Like I now that now she's been working for some seven, eight years and now she t- tells me that now that I'm, 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 I have an established organization, people are coming up to me and they were saying, I, we didn't know where to donate. So now we have channels because... NGO scamming is like very popular in India right now. So I think that could also perhaps be a reason that, you know, uh, people are a little shy when it comes to charity. Vimukti does have a very clear reputation. We have tried to approach a lot of uh, big organizations. But you see, most of the organizations, what they've done is the CSR they started themselves. Okay. So there's no funding available. Yeah. And individual, you know, one or two... Like, like uh, it's a very interesting thing after reading this article that you read. Yeah. There's one gentleman in Delhi. Okay. He wrote a letter and he said, you know, I'm, I'm like, which is very touched by the story. He sent us a check sponsoring 15 girls. Wow. But this is the rarest thing I've ever seen. Okay. It's really touched me to the core. Yeah. It's, I mean, really without even knowing me, without even knowing about the NGO, somebody sending money. But okay. I, I disagree the fact what this lady in Lucknow is saying. Yeah. I find it very, very difficult. Okay. It's not that, you know, we all out there trying to Okay, people to help us, but it's not easy at all. Yeah, it's, it's very tough. Uh, tell us how you met some of the girls that you currently have in your school. Like, how did you come about meeting them? What is your admission process? Is, is it like a regular college school's admission process, or is it like a little more specific where yeah. you're targeting certain it children? It is specific because when we started the school in Jawaharlal 2004, okay. we just send a circular or kind of a pamphlet to the Jawaharlal slums, which is okay. a lot of big slums. Yeah. There. And after that, there was a big, huge line that, you know, the alpha beta, we started Vimukti and we are also looking at admissions for the, for the, for the girl child. Yeah. There was a huge line. After that, subsequently, every year, what has happened is that 
around February, March, people come pouring in. When is the when is when are you going to start the new session? Okay. We said okay, wait. Then we just inform them now and again like there's a line of thousand. Wow. Fifteen hundred, okay. five hundred, different different town. They all they all stand there waiting for admission. Okay. Now what happens is the procedure is that we have uh, some teachers. Yeah. Uh, the principal ma'am, she also sits there, and there are these applications which which come from the girls. Okay. Then they're screened. Okay. We look at uh, children who are first. We look at the, uh, the the income. Yeah. The fathers working, mothers working. The income increases. Mm-hmm. If there's only a mother and a father is a drunkard or whatever. Yeah. Or doesn't have there's no she's a widow. Mm-hmm. So and they have five six children. Obviously that you know the income is very very less. Definitely. So we try to take in those ones. Then there the after that once the list is out then a team of our teachers they go into the slums. Okay. Our teachers, our auto guys, our uh, bus drivers—they go into the slums and they go and see the house. They okay. survey. Okay. And then we see that absolutely because if, if a house has something like a bit of comfort, yeah, which is sad because they are also poor, but somehow Definitely. we have to delete delete them. Yeah. Like if they have a cooler and have a fridge, we don't take them into account. Then okay. and people who are living living in dilapidated condition, then we we kind of. Uh, okay. So how how many students do you take in every year? Every year, last year we took in around hundred. Okay. This year, because there was a um, few children who joined, they left around twenty children. Okay. So this year we have taken on hundred and fifty. Okay. Initially. Out of which, ten, fifteen, they just tend to not come back. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you just mentioned that you know twenty children left the school. Why do you think that is? Why is it like social reasons or is it like family See, this reasons? This year we were just calculating the last two thousand sixteen seventeen. We just had a uh, only. Not even three percent of children did not come. Okay. But what happens is some of them they come in and the parents decide okay no there's a, the farming in the villages. Oh God. Or there is you know you have to take care of the siblings mm-hmm. because they have a little a huge brood, so yeah. they have to take care. Mm-hmm. So it is only because of, or they again left back to their villages. Okay. So the, none of them leave because of uh, the school per se. But but three percent is like not is very low. Very very. Yeah. Like very. Low. Considering the backgrounds that some of these children come from. Three percent is not, not yeah. Uh, often, the environments at home they're also very you know not conducive to education and not conducive to learning, huh. and sometimes just downright out unsafe. So, uh, is there anything that you're doing to prevent these children from you know being out of education because of what's going on in their houses? Do you ever take initiatives like that? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't get the. Uh, so, uh, if I was to paraphrase. Their their home environments are very unsafe, yeah. and that is not a very conducive environment to study in. Like when you're going home, you're doing homework or whatever it is. Do you ever take drives to like go home and see what the environment is like, prevent them, make them safe? You see, whatever safety, one thing is there that any child who's in Vimukti, because the buses, the transport, everything is taken care by us. Okay. In the sense that you know, drivers, we know who's coming, who's dropping the kids. Yeah. And they go in groups. Okay. So the safety, as far as the parents are concerned, they yeah. know that the mukti absolutely hundred percent safe. Definitely. Second part is the education part. Mm-hmm. That is what we take care of in the school. Okay. So whatever homework negligible is given to them. Okay. Balance everything. Whatever they because there's nobody in the house to guide them. Yeah. And once they go home, they may not be any electricity. There may be no electricity. Mm-hmm. They may be cooking. They have to do. Some of our girls they come to school. They after sweeping, after washing utensils, they quickly come carry their clothes somewhere, change, and then come to school. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of cases like that. They mm-hmm. go with their parents, mothers, and they're doing the cleaning, and then come to school. Okay. So, what are your future plans for Vimukti? Where do you see this organization going? Do you see spreading like 
schools everywhere across the country what is your plan initially definitely we want to uh, have our own facility of the okay company. we yeah. want to move away from any rented facility yeah go there and then you know maybe have like um, uh, one or two shifts okay educate more girls and uh, also start vocational training because okay. otherwise right now we have to organize them to go to various other places mm-hmm. so start vocational training from their counseling okay. which we already doing but you know some day a counselor will sit there continuously and definitely if we have we have the funding we are able to generate one school here we like to do many more okay so uh, speaking of vocational we were talking about this even prior to the podcast uh, vocational training is it more important than you know the general education that everybody else is receiving because considering the backgrounds the kids come from is vocational better or is the regular education better uh, it's very difficult to say that because it depends on the child's uh, capability okay so like with the counselor we have she would check that you know or or we ask the children okay. what they want to do <laughs> we give them a lot of you know op- op- options that these are the things which are available to you okay uh, we need to add on more of course we've just been able to tell them like teaching and you know police doctor and these kind of yeah, things yeah yeah so uh, <clears throat> once uh, the child is un- wants to study further there is no way we want the child to move away and to get into some kind of vocation okay but certain girls were not inclined towards studying after 10 12 we want to make 12 they have to finish the 12 okay yeah. so that is when we want to put them into various kind of vocation a vocation also i'm not particularly keen on a beautician course or one of those things i'm looking at you know other um, uh, courses much beyond the, the regular what women tend to do okay okay uh so in sangeeta's life for example you were the agent of change I couldn't change her life, unfortunately. You couldn't change her I life. I couldn't change her. Okay, can that you tell is, me about that? That's very unfortunate. Okay. Because soon after that, yeah, they moved away, and then last next I found out was that she was around sixteen. She got married. Oh God. So I just that change I could do is that why don't you drink milk or why don't you yeah go to school? Yeah. But beyond that, I had lost touch with her. Okay, so you don't know where she's right now. I just know she's married, and by the time she was seventeen, eighteen, she must have had two kids. Oh God, that is. So that is very sad. but uh, do you think that you know uh, as the middle class is rising people have more resources to employ more people like mm-hmm. for help for household help do you think that you know the it's the responsibility of the employer to you know be the agent of change in the lives of the children of who they are employing yeah, sure absolutely one thing is i'm dead against is children under the age of 16 working in houses certainly and definitely uh, the it is important for the employer to see that uh, Uh, the the child is taken care of maybe you know if the child is working with you then try to educate the child mm. many people do that they just take the child in the, you know in communities and they teach them the basics yeah but i don't think the basic is what they need they need much beyond that yeah because by basic what they just be signing like the their mothers and fathers they just be signing on the report card yeah but is that what we want our girls to do certainly definitely not okay uh so How is a regular school day like? Not just for the kids, for you as well. What, what is a regular school day comprise of? The school day, I, I have a very comfortable life <laughs> because I just come and I dictate. Okay. You know, what is to be done? But yes, like our principal, our teachers, they come at around uh, you know one twelve twelve. Principal comes early, teachers come at around twelve thirty. Okay. And then they start off rigorous, rigorous study because the thing is we have very short duration. We have four hours. Yeah. And other schools normally get six, seven hours of studies. Yeah. So in that four hours is what they have to really rigorously slog it out. Yeah. 
And here again, I would say that we have had teachers coming in for interviews. Okay. Who come in and you know very sophisticated, very fine. They come in and they they come in. Oh my God, this is melting. I'm sorry. Oh God. I'm sorry. I just can't teach. Okay. So we just kind of show them the exit. <laughs> so whatever the teachers who are with us right yeah. now, they are so dedicated. I mean, can you imagine you are there leaving their children, who come home at around one thirty, mm-hmm. and they coming to Vimukti to educate their boys. Wow. I mean, I think the credit goes to them, not to me at all, because to leave your family, to leave your children. And then you coming and teaching so many six hundred children in circumstances which are very difficult for lot of people to teach them. Certainly, but then uh, for an organization like Bimukti to work, you need dedicated teachers. Very dedicated. Just need that. Extremely good team. Extremely good team. That is that is amazing. That is, I think, very effective. Yeah. They've just stuck on, and some of them have been there since the inception of the school. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Having people like that. So how is the regular day? It's it's a four hour day. So how is the regular day for for the children? For the children, they come. I think by around twelve thirty, so they must be at the bus stop. Okay. And then they come here by uh, around one o'clock. Okay. Then they have a little bit of an assembly. Okay. Which is the principal daisy assembly. Yeah. After that, they go into their classes, mm-hmm. and there's some regular studies. And mid mid May, in the mid break, we give them a snack. Okay. We like providing them some, uh, you know, maybe biscuits and milk compulsorily because that's something. Yeah. Milk thing is in my mind. Yeah. So I don't think I'll ever get out of not giving them milk. I think I saw this photograph where all the <laughs> children are standing in line, they're drinking milk, yeah. and that was amazing. So I've got something about milk that I need to have. <laughs> so in summers it becomes a chaat. Yeah. And uh, in uh, winter this milk. Okay. And then okay. a banana or some biscuits around. Okay. Okay. Uh, What are certain things that regular schools, usual schools, can learn from your school? Because recently, not not so recently, a couple of years back, what the government did was they fixed twenty five percent reservation for children from underprivileged backgrounds. So, what else can regular that that's a good step? But what else can you know? Can I say something? Sure. I, I'm not at all in favor. Really? I'm just not. In favor. Why is that? I mean, it's a very political thing for me to say that yeah. because I have seen in Alpha Beta. Yeah. You had this very smart person sitting with a laptop okay. on the reception. Yeah. So I walked in. I said, "What is he doing here?" Yeah. So my principal tells me, "She said, 'Man, he's come for RT.'" I said, "You got a laptop? He's come <laughs> in a Honda. He's come for RT." Yeah. She said, "You know how it is. They all do the jugglery and get the the certificates." Oh God. So I mean, can you imagine who's there to come and check? Yeah, that's true. So what happens by getting at people like this, <laughs> where the need is? Those children are not able to get the opportunity because they plug up pole and they get these uh, cards made and they 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 come into good schools like this. Yeah. And when they can very well afford them. <laughs> so this they I've had three four instances. Okay. Secondly, um, I I feel that the child a, a concept like arts yeah. where you have uh, children coming from the same background is much better okay. because when they come these twenty five percent these girl, children who come in and then they see that some of these. You know, okay, I've gone to Paris. Yeah. I've been to London. Mm-hmm. I'm eating hot dog. I'm yeah. going in elevator. Yeah. And the child, like, what is a hot dog? Yeah. Or what is going outside uh, my slum? Certainly. So do you do you not think that it leads to a lot of complexes? Definitely. Uh, but I was having the same very conversation with my boss in the morning, mm-hmm. and uh, we were talking about inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think it promotes inclusivity, or do you think it just enhances those differences? I think it enhances. Okay. According to me, that's my personal yeah. view. I may be very wrong on it, yeah. but this is my personal view. Okay. I still feel that a, a thing again, like maybe maybe a, a, a public, uh, the PPP, what they have. <laughs> you have so many business houses, so yeah, many of them. Certainly. You just ask every one of them to start uh, a school. Yeah. And 
and get these children out. Why do you have to put them into schools? And have good schools like Vimukti. Like I told you, there's there's no difference between Vimukti and maybe a DPS or maybe an alpha beta. There's okay. no difference at all. <laughs> so why are we not able to do that rather than include them? So you think that the gap between government schools and private schools can be uh, you know bridged by organizations like Vimukti? I think so. Okay. Uh, Because I have seen how um, the children we have of RT, how it's very difficult for them to adjust. That, that's it's very sad, but it's very difficult. Yeah. And even the you know like what happens if they come from the initial classes, mm-hmm. uh, a child maybe coming in the first. Okay. Now it's very difficult to tell the other child who's from a maybe middle class background that okay, please love him as much as you love your other friends. Yeah. But he like kind of do you have this? Do you have that? Kids are kids. Yeah. Yeah. But. As it goes higher, then there is a bit of you know they can still mix together. Like maybe okay. once the child reaches the seventh day, then they 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 grow together. Okay. But the initial days are very very difficult. Very okay. difficult. Okay. That that is certainly true. Uh, so what about the books and the resources that these kids need? Do you think that that is uh, that can be certainly you know made in a way that that is more accommodative to children who are from underprivileged backgrounds? Like the NCRT, for example. So NCRT is targeted to more middle class backgrounds. Uh-huh. So do you think we can have literature that is more, you know, oriented towards underprivileged backgrounds? I don't think so. Okay. Do you think, think so. current literature suffices for for right now? I I think it's okay because I mean, why should you differentiate in that? Okay. Whatever is being taught, it's fine. I mean, like a Rajasthan board has got a certain curriculum. Yeah. And why should we have a separate curriculum? Definitely. Only difference is that. Um, At the moment, we have reached fifth standard, where we are kind of insisting that they change into English medium. Slowly, slowly, we started like KG. So now, a sixth standard, sixth class here in Vimukti yeah. is English medium, okay. and every year we are increasing. Okay. But also here, the certain subjects we may we do in English, some of them we still have to do in Hindi because again they go back home. There's nobody to tell them about yeah. English, so we do a mixture of the two. Okay. But yes, we are gradually uh, increasing the classes every year okay. into English medium. So, don't you think that uh, you know, at, 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 when when they six in their sixth class, don't you think that is too late for them to start learning English now? They already start? started in KG. Okay. What I'm saying is, they started, but we 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 when we started the school, it was Hindi medium. Okay. So now on, uh, it has been a very strong decision from yeah. our end that from now the KG the child went to first English mm-hmm. medium, first to second. So we are increasing the classes of English medium. Okay. Okay. But certain subjects we are teaching them in English and certain in Hindi. Okay. That's the only. So, so gradually uh, we want to cover that the entire school changes into in uh, English. Okay. So, uh, Lavlina ji, thank you so much thank for you, taking the time out for talking to you, us. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for listening to IWB Pods. We will continue to bring you quality conversations with amazing women. If you like our podcast, remember to tell us on Facebook and Twitter. You can now listen to our podcast on your favorite mobile apps, including iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. And do not forget to visit our blog at IndianWomenBlog.org. Again, that's IndianWomenBlog.org.